What's up, everybody? I'm Sarah. I'm Shauna. I'm Sam. And I'm Bobby. And this is Unsolved Mayhem. Welcome everybody to, I guess the inaugural, the the very first ever Unsolved Mayhem episode. Welcome to the show. I hope you're excited. We're excited. We're ready to go down the rabbit hole, so to speak, which I think is kind of what's going to happen every episode. <laughs> so this is a requested case requested by. Paula, thank you. So a listener from one of our other shows, knowing this is coming, thank you, Paula. We appreciate the uh, case request. So Sarah's going to be telling us all about it today. I'm not familiar with what Paula sent in. Well, who are we talking about? We are talking about a girl named Rachel Hurley. Rachel Hurley, like the clothing brand Hurley? Not sure. (laughs) I think it's spelled a little different. Gotcha. Is it? H-U-R-L-E-Y. Yeah, that's how it's spelled. Oh, never mind then. All right. So Rachel is a 14-year-old girl that was brutally murdered like 32 years ago. Dang. Happened in March 17th, 1990, which was St. Patrick's Day in uh, Jupiter, Florida. So we're going to Florida. Ooh, fun. Okay. Now, Rachel was a very popular middle school student. Like, she, every, all of her friends kind of looked up to her because she was fearless. Okay. Um, she played second base for her school's softball team and was very, very pretty. Dark-haired, pretty girl. Now, on this St. Patrick's Day... Rachel and two of her friends went out boating on another friend's boat. It was a boy. And they did not tell their parents that they were actually going on a boat ride. All sounds about right. All three girls had spent the night together the night before. And their parents knew they were going to the beach, but... Not that not, they were going on a boat. Right. Not that they were going out on the water with other teenagers. Now, the weather this day was not that great. It was gloomy and windy, so there was not very many people actually on the beach like there would normally be. Rachel was supposed to meet her mother at Carlin Park at 3 p.m. She had to be somewhere to like sell uh, tickets for a pancake breakfast for her softball team. So when the way a lot of it says is that like 2.45, her and her two friends, which were Aaron and Maddie, got off of the boat at a dock 
and then they were going to walk to where they were going to meet their parents. Aaron and Maddie didn't have to be at this Carlin Park area until 3.30. Okay. So they had like a 30, they had 30 minutes longer than Rachel did. So when they got off the boat, Aaron and Maddie wanted to stop at the bathroom and like fix their hair and whatever to keep their parents from knowing that they were on a boat because, you know, you get like windblown crazy hair. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, Rachel didn't want to be late because she didn't want to get in trouble. So she was like, I'm not stopping at the bathroom with you. I'm just going to go ahead and go to this park and meet my mom. The girls tried to convince her to wait, but she pretty much was just like, peace out and took off sprinting down the beach. And they still went into the bathroom and fixed their hair, which took like five to seven minutes. They're in this bathroom. Okay. When they started like walking towards this Carlin Park, there's two ways you could go. You could go like completely take the beach to the parking lot of this park or you could cut through these woods. Most of the girls or people, kids, would not have taken the woods because they had been warned against them by their parents because homeless people lived in the wooded area. Okay. But people think Rachel took the shortcut because she only had 15 minutes to make it a mile Like, it was a mile from where they got dropped off to where she was getting picked up. The girls didn't see which way Rachel took, but they stayed on the beach. And they said that it was so windy that day that the sand was, like, blowing and hitting them in the legs. And it was, like, so painful that they were walking through the water to try to keep from getting pelted by the sand That was another reason why they were like, oh, well, maybe she went through the woods. When they arrived at Carlin Park, Rachel's mother, Andrea, was still waiting there. So they're like, how did she, how did Rachel not beat them? Beat them. Right. Scared they were going to get caught in their lie and not really thinking like you don't really think like something bad happened to your friend. They kind of just ran past her and got into their car and with their ride and went to Maddie's house, like not really acknowledging Andrea, who's still sitting there waiting for Rachel. Okay. At first, Andrea was annoyed. She... Could it, like, to her, you're a mom. You're, like, sitting there waiting. She's, like, what the hell is she doing? We have somewhere to be. And she had, like, drilled it into Rachel's head the night before. Like, you have to be at this place to sell these tickets. Like, you can't be late. If you're, that's, Rachel agreeing to be on time is what, like, why her mom was, like, okay, you can go to the beach with your friends. Right. As time passed, though, she thought maybe she had gone to the wrong location to meet Rachel. But she knew that couldn't be right, so she called Maddie's house. Andrea asked if they remembered what Rachel was wearing that day, and they told her gray shorts, a pink and green bikini top with a white t-shirt. And I guess because her mom had, like, such anxiety in her voice, Maddie and Aaron decided to call, like, everybody they knew 
and go back to the beach to look for Rachel. So they got all of their school friends and their friends' parents and went to the beach to try to help find Rachel. Well, that was nice of them. Yeah. Rachel and her friends and their parents, they're like looking for her everywhere. And at five o'clock, Andrea decides to call the police and report her missing. Some reports say that police responded immediately and they took the case very seriously with like over a hundred officers arriving to like comb this area. Now, Rachel's friends say that they didn't get involved right away, that they showed up. But a lot of them just stayed in their cars and let her friends and their parents search for her at first. Because it was like, I guess where this beach is, it was kind of weird because it was like multiple districts could be involved. And they, her friends later said that it was like a, almost like a pissing contest of which police station was really in charge of the case kind of a deal. But when the police showed up, the parents decided that it wasn't a good idea anymore for all these teenagers to be looking because they were worried they weren't going to find her alive and they didn't want one of their kids to be the ones to find her. Yeah. Right. Right. And they were right because at 8.15 p.m., a group of the fathers who were searching made the horrific discovery in the woods that were north of Carlin Park. She was laying in a clearing, face up, partially nude. Her missing clothes were found nearby. An autopsy revealed that Rachel had been beaten, raped, and either strangled or suffocated to death. They haven't. They won't say which one, whether she was suffocated or strangled, because the police are saying they want the the killing. It's something only the killer would know. Yeah, which one it is. Okay. She was covered in defense wounds, defensive wounds. So it was clear that she had tried to fight to save her own life. Detectives spent Sunday searching the woods and beach for any clues, but found nothing. They interviewed all of Rachel's friends and anyone they could find that was on the beach at the time of the murder. And they did find one witness, the teenage boy that said he saw a man coming out of the woods around that time. And he was not wearing a shirt. And the teenager said he had scratches all over his chest and he was wearing construction boots. He described the man as 6'2", with dark blonde hair and a beard. And he said he seemed to be in his 30s and weighed around 150 pounds. Now, there was construction happening around this area at the time. So, could have been. But they released this description to the public, but nothing ever really came of it. And it didn't seem like police took it very seriously. like. Oh, the the eyewitness account. Yeah. In the beginning, there was two main theories detectives went with. One was that maybe it was a homeless man that came about. They like, I don't know. I don't really believe this theory because you would think 
people would have seen a homeless person covered in blood and scratches and would have said something if he's living in those woods. Right. I mean, not really an access to a shower while right. washing his clothes and things. But because they like put all this their eggs in this homeless basket, the homeless people in this area like left. They cleared out of the woods for a while because they were afraid they were going to get accused of something they didn't do. Yeah. Um, during their search, the detectives also like searched this abandoned cement radar station that the homeless used for shelter when it was raining because it was it rained the night that her body was found. So they hoped that like the killer had went in there and hid afterwards and left something behind, but there was nothing. Eventually, the homeless community came back and detectives interviewed as many of them as they could, but none of them reported seeing or hearing anything that day. The next theory involved a 17-year-old boy named Billy Fagan. He had been accused that the year before of sexually violating another male student. At the time it happened, police ignored it. Like, the year before, he gets accused of, like, sexually assaulting this other student, and police were just like, meh. Because it was boy on boy. Did nothing. And then when Rachel gets murdered, they're like, oh, well, he did this, and let's prosecute him for it and try to get him to confess that he killed Rachel. And then let's spend a lot of man hours and get all these other girls in the high school to say that he sexually harassed them in some way, too. And in the end, they came up with 31 different sex charges to charge this 17-year-old boy with. Jesus Christ. Yeah, that's pretty intense. That's probably bad. It's bad. Probably. Well, I mean, he could have done it. Well, I mean, people, like, some of the girls said that he, like, when they were alone with him, he would try to force himself on them. Now, he very well could have. But nobody was saying that until they this were happened talk- to Rachel. Yeah, right. Until and then police went and talked to all these girls in the high school about him. A lot of things I read said he had an alibi at the time that he was ten miles away surfing with his own friends, and he put himself on police radar though. Like he kind of did it to himself because he was one of those people that like inserted himself into like the news media oh when they were like interviewing her classmates and things he was like the first one that wanted to be on the news and he was apparently overly dramatic at her funeral Mm. when they weren't even really close to each other yeah weird so that's why police started looking into him in the first place but he was never charged with anything related to Rachel's case. But he did go to prison later and beca- became a sex offender. Okay. When police were doing their investigation, more than 3,000 people attended Rachel's viewing. Holy shit. Her murder devastated the entire community. 
Parents were terrified that a killer was on the loose and no one, no, they wouldn't let their kids go to the beach anymore by themselves. Which that's understandable. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Around a thousand people attended Rachel's funeral and police stood on the outskirts of the crowd to videotape everything because they were hoping that the killer would be there. But incognito. Yeah, but it brought nothing. Some people went back to thinking Rachel's killer was a transient that had left the area shortly after murdering her, which I kind of feel like that makes the most sense. Like, I lean towards the eyewitness thing. Like, he was a construction worker. Yeah. That just happened to see her by herself that day. Right. I mean, it makes sense if they were doing construction. It could be a very plausible thing. The community came together and had no trespassing signs posted all over the woods at Carlin Park. They cleared all the undergrowth to improve the visibility into the woods. They also asked for a larger police presence in the area and they wanted that radar station torn down. Now they did all of this stuff, but all the undergrowth grew back. It's not like they kept up on it. Right. Even though the the detectives seemed to be working hard on the case, they were unable to find Rachel's killer. They were able to develop a DNA profile for, for a suspect, though. But when they ran it through their database, they got no matches, which meant this killer had no criminal record. You know what, though? I wonder if they still have DNA evidence because... It's came a long way to the point where they can look at DNA and reconstruct facial features and hair color and eye color just based on your DNA strands. Well, they still have the DNA. Well, they should do that. They were able to clear 127 men as suspects based on this DNA. Most of them seemed to be sex offenders. Like that seemed to be the route they went is like anyone in the area that was a sex offender They ruled them out. I mean, at least they ruled them out. Right. Police believe that maybe the killer did not start off to kill Rachel. That was my thought, is it was not intended to be a murder. It was intent. They think it was just intended to be a sexual assault. A sexual assault that went too far. They feel this person has guilt and may have confided in someone. FBI reviewed the case and created a profile which literally just said he was a white man in his mid-20s at the time of the murder and he was probably unemployed but likely came from an upper-class family. That was their profile. And how did they come to that profile? I don't know how they come up with their profiles. I mean... No idea. Another good suspect that they had was a man named Douglas Gross. Detectives found a bloody t-shirt of his in a trash can in the area that they said matched the blood on the shirt matched his DNA. That doesn't necessarily mean he had anything to do with it. No, because, I mean, it's woods. He could have fallen, hit a rock, bled, whatever, you know. And also, at this time in the 90s, their DNA was, like, just, it matched his blood type. Yeah. 
it wasn't like the blood just had the same blood type as him. Really, in in the last 30 years, we have come a long way with DNA testing. Yeah. Like, it's been an extreme amount of, like, progress. I can understand why they thought it was this guy, though, because he is serving time currently for armed burglary, escape, resisting arrest, and... The issue is, though, is if they truly have DNA that they took off of, and I'm assuming it's sperm. That's what I was thinking. If they had this, and he's in the database. It would have hit. It would have hit. Right. And it hasn't. 15 years after her murder, a fellow inmate came forward and said that Douglas admitted to killing Rachel with a friend of his named Frankie Washburn. Douglas gave an alibi, though, saying that at the time he was in a juvenile detention center. Which he probably very well could have been. I think he was. Yeah, I mean, they would have had to look into that, right? There were several other serial rapists and sex offenders that police checked into, but so far they've found nothing. And... That's pretty much where the case is at, is they're looking for the person that this DNA matches. It's crazy to me that her murder would be the only one that this person ever committed. That's why it makes sense that it was unintentionally murder, right? Right. But actually, like, But you're saying that they've never, le- they've never sexually assaulted anyone else either to be put in a database? Maybe that scared them, like, scared the shit out of them. That they accidentally murdered somebody. I mean... Yeah, but they've gotten away with it. So you would think they would have no real reason to be scared. But, I mean, people, there are people out there that work in different ways where things like that can scare them into not doing those things. I don't know. It's really weird, but they should probably retest the DNA, like I said, because... Well, the problem is you can't, like, continuously test it because then you run out. And it's in the database. So, I don't know. But... Yeah, that's weird that they haven't had a single hit on it. Yeah. And... What kills me about these kinds of cases is, like, she's really just in the wrong place at the wrong time. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just so happened to cut through the woods instead of walking across the beach. Yeah, it's not that like That was a, it. And she probably, whoever it was, saw her go into the woods and followed her. And was like, this More is the perfect likely. opportunity. This girl is all by herself. All because she didn't want to stay... And yeah, being go five, to the bathroom with her friends. Being five to seven minutes late would have been better than this. Yeah. Like, you could you could have said, oh, well, shit, I had to stop to tie my shoe. Like, whatever. Like, they were fucking around and... Or I was walking slow because it was so windy. Yeah, yeah my legs was, hurt. Like, anything. Yeah, because um, from everything I read, which, again, makes it even more reasons I don't like sand, is that... It was, like, so painful. It was, like, cutting their legs. So, no thank you. Yeah. But if you have any information on Rachel's murder, you can call Crime Stoppers at 1-800-458-TIPS. 
and they will get the information to the right place. All right. Well, there's a few things we want to cover. Uh, we have two other shows, Speaking of Murders and Speaking of Missing Persons. If you haven't checked those out, make sure you go check those out. If you want to see photos associated with today's episode, check out our Instagram. That's linked in the show notes and episode notes. And uh, if you have a case that you want to hear on the show, send that to our email, unsolvedmayhem at gmail.com. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button. Leave us five stars wherever you're listening. That helps us get this show out to more people. And does anyone have any final thoughts? No. no. Teach your kids to stay together. Yes. Yeah. Yep. All right. We will see y'all next week. Bye. 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 bye.